A priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Welcome to the Untitled Catholic Podcast, episode 15. This is Father Sean with Nolan Reynolds. Hey. A previous guest, Joe Moncada. Wait, you could count up to 15? Yes. Other than me, I can only count up to four. <laughs> and you're a Catholic educator. Yeah. I'm, this I'm, is what's wrong with the Catholic school system. Molding the future of America. <laughs> that's, that's what always <laughs> makes me nervous. Yeah, but he teaches Spanish. He doesn't teach math. Come on, lay off of him. Can you, can you count to 15 in Spanish? Uh, it depends if I eat a bacon, egg, and cheese for breakfast. I need that fuel. Number. Good, good, fuel. That, that good, good. Good, good. Good, 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 good. <laughs> you get a bagel. Get on that. What some would refer to a kid. That's good to know. Um, thank God. You know, uh, I'm more of a, I'm a, of a Beck. Well, they initialize it. Bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. That's like all one word too when you, when you order it. So that changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's the brain power. The, I, do, I will do, say. Do you prefer your bacon, egg, and cheese on a on a roll or a bagel? Uh, I prefer it on a roll, but when I'm feeling bold, I'll get it on an egg everything bagel. Ooh, that's like that's like the. <laughs> you gotta get that team. That yeah, it's like double egg. That that team, that protein, that carb. You know, uh, gotta make sure you stay fueled. You know, and you get that with so the, you can with stay the, woke. Stay woke. Get and then you get got to get your ninety nine cent Arizona iced tea with that. First, yeah, drink iced tea for breakfast. Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink mm. coffee either. That stuff does stuff to me. <laughs> it's like what the kombucha does. To me. <laughs> I was about to say kombucha. You're talking kombucha. Come on now. <laughs> I went to this. Store and got a whole bunch of other flavors I haven't tried yet because I need to, I need to be in the right state of mind. I'm afraid of it. I'm very much afraid that it's just going to be very vinegary again. Like you can't eat it or on a full stomach, or else it might uh, cause an evacuation. Right. Exactly. I was a little worried the other night after youth group. Uh, I went out with some of the people that help and another priest friend, and we went to a diner. I, I've been to this diner since before I even lived in the parish where I'm at, because I have a friend that lives out there. And uh, I got a burger, and I take a bite, and I look at the bottom of the burger, and there's two green spots. It was uh, moldy. No. Did it wink at you? On the bread or the meat? On the bread, on the bread. Yikes. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> turned me right off. Uh, <laughs> uh, excuse me. That was... I was telling that my father Lachlan was the priest friend. I'll just say his name because okay. not enough people listen to this that we could like. He definitely doesn't anybody. listen to this. No, I don't not, think he's not ever enough people to listen to it, but they could definitely see his forehead from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Father Rob listens. Hi, Father Rob. Hey, Father Rob. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. It was nice to be with you. But anyway, so. I wanted to get a new one, but it took like 
15 minutes for the guy to come back in and check in on us. We were like the only ones in the diner. And then I was kind of like really hungry debating about whether or not I should eat. And, and by then you had you had already eaten the moldy burger because you were hungry and you were like, whatever. The temptation was there, but I, I just ate the food. <laughs> then he came back in and I was like, oh, we need to uh, do something about this. And he goes, oh, okay. Were you getting hangry? I was, I was just hungry because it was a long day. And I was, it's a Sunday. Sundays are long days. I would have gotten a little hangry. It's the one day a week that you work. <laughs> Other days I just make a podcast. That's right. Now you edit this one. Yeah. <laughs> six days straight. My, my week consists of priest conferences, editing the podcast, and then saying mass on Sunday. So when you get to the pearly gates... And St. Peter asked, what did you do for my church? You would Jesus. Just say, what Jesus, Jesus. asked to say, what did you do to, for my church today? Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> and then when he says, well, what was the podcast called? Like, he will say, well, we never really thought of anything. No, he's going to say, what did you talk about on the podcast? And you're going to say, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Brendan <laughs> Fraser and bagels. <laughs> Bagel kids. And and Jesus is going to so actually I like bagels. And then, I like and then, bagels too. And then Father Sean has to get into the awkward conversation of whether or not Jesus was a bagel kid. So you know, but that, I bet he had locks. I was uh, about to say like so the period of time, but before Jesus starts public ministry, like how when was the last time 12. we heard of he was about twelve? So what? from twelve to thirty, in those like awkward teenage years, do we think Jesus could have been a bagel kid or not? I don't, I mean I don't think they had bagels. I mean let's them. like uh like what would you not <laughs> not man like, I'm like not eating manna. <laughs> I like to think of of Jesus uh luring the bagel kids away from their doldrums. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of their miscreant ways and into the truth. That, that that's Blessed the part are the bagel kids. <laughs> Yes. That's the part that wasn't included in the New Testament. Yeah, John didn't think that was important. He was like, guys, do we really need this part about the bagels? <laughs> I think we could cut. They were sitting down and they were talking and Matthew's like, I think I want to put in the bagel thing. And they're like, I think we're, I don't think we need that. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of kids could identify with the, with the, that this day, these days. Though. I don't know, the, <laughs> the foresight <laughs> might not have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed are the bagel kids. I don't know. Blessed are the bagel kids for the lunch meat of the kingdom of heaven shall be theirs. <laughs> <laughs> the lunchables of heaven. Oh, yes. Man. Wow. But did I you, was did little... you get lunchables when you were a kid? No, my mom wouldn't let me. me I always either. wanted. I always wanted. Like once, like once a year, she'd let me get them, and then like she'd immediately regret it. Though, like, what a waste of money. I never. I I did. But then I'm like, I'm putting all this the cheese and the sauce on like those little mini pizzas. And I'm like, I got to eat this nonsense cold now. I want this warm. And then I'm in the middle of the cafeteria. What am I going to do? Can't, can't heat it up in the cafeteria. No, you don't. They don't have that. Kids use microwaves. Especially the, the, the allure of Lunchable was not the food. It was just the cool case that it came in. And That's the fact it was that all you could put it together. Yes. You built your own. I, I got one of those when I was older. And like I had my own money. I was like, well, I was never allowed to eat this as a kid. And I got it. And I was like, I'm so happy my mom never let me. <laughs> my yeah. mom never let me eat this as a kid. They're just, they're there, pretty... there had to be an age where that was like embarrassing, though, to bring Lunchables to school, right? Yes. Like elementary school, you were the man if you had Lunchables. But I like... think eighth grade, 
was when yeah. it all. Changed. You don't want to be that eighth grader eating Lunchables. You, you know how you know you're the man at lunchtime, where it's always nerve wracking, but you'll you'll get called up like, uh, John Smith, can you please come up to the front? John Smith, can you please come to, up to the front? Goes up to the front, and you see John Smith walking back with the McDonald's. That's how you know you're McDonald's during lunchtime. I always mm. envy that kid. That never really happens. And I, I mean, every once in a while that would happen. I never like, trusted I always, that like, like, I always <laughs> like the kids that have like very, very um, conscientious mothers that would like, you know, like if it's like an Italian mother, the, the kid would come in with like meatballs or like, you know, <laughs> like something like that. Or like, you know, Indian mother, the kid comes in with tiki masala. Like, and then it's like, so all the other, that kid, just wanted lunchables so bad <laughs> how about how about the kid that brought like silverware from home like to school and like tubberware and like like a thermos like he had like a whole set like he had to pack open and, and pack up at, like at the end of lunch like i felt bad for that kid every once in a while i was that kid and then you have one of those kids that would put it back in their locker and forget it was in their locker and then when it's <laughs> june you got a you got a whole ecosystem in there <laughs> It's Fern Gully. <laughs> oh my god. So uh the other day uh Senor Mancada came to my parish to pitch to the kids to come to the high school that he teaches at. Yeah. Um that was fun. That was really fun. That I walked in and we did our handshake and everyone was pretty impressed with that. You know what? Why don't why don't you guys do your handshake for the listening podcast audience so that they can see it too? All right, you ready? Yeah, ready. Oh, you know what? You might want to edit that if you don't want it stolen. <laughs> maybe, maybe cut that part out. When you when you pay on our Patreon, you'll get to learn how to do the handshake. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Our fa- our fake Patreon. Some poor slob will do that. To use the words of Monsignor McDonald. So poor slap. But yeah, so that no, that was fun because it was like uh, my favorite thing that you did. My favorite thing that you did is when you said, um, "I'm waiting." For, what is it? I'm waiting for your attention. Something like that. Oh yeah. So like a- apparently, to preface it, I have like a reputation amongst the middle schoolers in my school as being the scary Spanish teacher. <laughs> so uh, there was this one eighth grader. I was like, all right, guys, let's bring it back because I was showcasing our iPads. And he still kept talking. And he's like, oh, I said, I'll wait. And he still kept talking. And I just looked him dead in the eye with this stone cold stare. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting your conversation. We can all wait till you're done. <laughs> and uh, the kid was shaking in his boots and his penny loafers. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, like, I'm sure he was, that was the last thing he was expecting from a person coming to pitch the school. We don't play games I like here. That. Today, uh, I teach in the seventh grade every other week, and I, I'm trying to teach them how to pray with scripture. And it's just going to be arduous and torturous. It's, it's, I don't think torturous is a word, but whatever. It's going to be tough. So this, I, I asked them last time, do you want me to cut out the scripture passage so that you could put it in your book and you could read along with it. Who wants me to do that? And like six kids raised their hand. 
So I brought in almost enough for everyone, thinking if a couple people changed their mind, I'd have more than enough. Now everyone wanted it. So like two kids didn't get one. So I said, keep it face down and don't read it. I want you to listen first. Then you can read it. This one kid's holding it up and looking at it. I said, don't read it. He goes, I'm not reading it. I was like, then why are you holding it up? What are you doing then? So what part of put it face down didn't you understand? <laughs> and then I was like, did anyone else need me to explain about how not to read it? And then I was, I felt kind of guilty after I said that. But the kid listened, and he wasn't like embarrassed or anything. But this is a group of kids that you know, like you meet with regularly, right? Not only that, but like I usually joke around with them in the lunchroom or something like that. And I think they just have to learn that now is not the time to joke around. They're See, still I, at their I age, find- you know. I, f- I find like one of the most challenging things like when I have like speaking engagements is how to respond to like kids that are like a little unruly or not paying attention because you know if it's kids I know and I see all the time then I don't mind like going into like disciplinarian mode for a second because they know I'm I, they know that's not who I am most of the time but um and then and they respond to it but like I'm always afraid when it's like a new group like and if I like, you know, shush them or correct them or like get on their case about being quiet, are they just gonna make? Well, not listening to anything this guy says for the rest of the uh, presentation. Yeah, you know? that, that's always the, the fear. There's, I don't want to lose a, them before I even have them. Right. There's such a fine line when it comes to using the the sarcasm mm. to try to get the kids. Um, in line because you don't want, like you were saying you don't want to be that authoritarian person right that it's just, it's it's no fun you know because they hear that in school all day anyway so yeah they they, they want like they want to know that like you have charge of the room okay or whatever you're in okay but this is also a person that i can come and talk to you know that's such a fine line to find and even like i'm going on on four years of being a teacher and that I like to think that skill has evolved since I've started, you know. Uh, and then I, I, apparently my reputation also precedes me that um, according to the middle schoolers, I'm the, the scary Spanish teacher. Yeah. But then according to the upper class, and I'm the Spanish teacher that knows all the dance moves. <laughs> so. so that's a deadly combination right there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, and then every group is different. But one of the things I like about what I'm doing right now is the first group um, is a quieter group. And when I make mistakes and what to do for the next group. So I'm more like <laughs> adept. Like, like I made a ton of mistakes today, the first class. But like I, I handed the things out and told them not to look at it. And then the second class, I didn't hand it out until it was time to look at it. Hmm. I learned from my, my mistakes. But anyway. My have to know from the jump. I said, you guys are basically my guinea pig class. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I work out all the kinks with you guys, so just bear with me <laughs> every now and then. That's awesome. Okay, I, I'll, I appreciate you that much more for that. And trust the process. And trust the process. Always trust the process. So I guess you have to trust our process. We're going to take a little bit of a break right now, and we will be right back. Adios. Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Joe had a question and during the break. Joe? You know, I've been 
listening to the podcast for a little over a year now, I guess. I truly have no idea why we keep referencing the Baltimore Catechism. <laughs> like, does it have to do with, like, crabs? <laughs> <laughs> like, every time you mention it, I just keep thinking of of the green turtle and getting, like, a, uh, so a crab cake or something like that. <laughs> we, we'd probably be more likely to bring that up than the, than the actual Baltimore Catechism. Yeah, I mean, I've only read a little bit of the Baltimore Catechism. It's a classic, though. It is. I know the first question is, why did God make you? And the answer would be, so that you could love him in the, so you could serve and love him in this life and be with him forever in the next, right? Isn't that the... I think that's exactly it. It's pretty good. I know it's worded slightly different in the um, in the underappreciated uh, Tulsa Catechism. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the Paul Portland Maine Catechism. Yeah, not Portland Oregon. I thought you were going Oregon, but no, the the I find the Portland one, Maine one, much more riveting. Yeah, it's a little bit more interesting. They got chowder in New England. Chowder, chowder. Is that the red or the white? New England is the is the white, right? Yeah, I, I was quoting Ace, Ace Ventura. Oh, is it the white though? Yes. Yeah. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Am I the only one that it? thinks the second Ace Ventura is better than the first one? The second Ace Ventura has probably one of the funniest scenes in film history. Chicago. Beer. Getting <laughs> that that scene. <laughs> Sorry. But my favorite part is when he comes out of the rhino. Oh, I knew that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's one of the funniest things I've ever That's one of the most aggressive scenes in cinematic history. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's debatable. And there's no way of knowing that. (laughs) We were. (laughs) The lights just went off in the room. (laughs) Clap on. The. when we were in uh, Belize, they were playing, what was it, Uno? Mm-hmm. And you said this is the longest game of Uno ever? Yeah, we were going in like at three hours at that point. And then Uber did it. Kira. So, Kira said there's no way of knowing She just that. slams her cards down, like flips a chair. There's no way of knowing that. Just storms out of the room. <laughs> Kira, if you're listening, uh, we miss you. Yes. Yes, and we hope that your husband and your baby are doing well. And happy birthday. Yes. So, um, watch McCall. We're hitting that, that time of the year where a lot of these, uh, a lot of the TV shows are coming out with this season premieres. So, um, I wanted to get a read on what, what kind of shows are you guys excited for. I'm the most excited for Stranger Things. When is that coming out? That comes back on. It's on Netflix, and it, it comes out on uh, Friday, the twenty seventh of October, right before Halloween. It was a little, little later than the uh, than it came out originally, right? Yeah, it came out in the summer last year. I'm glad they took their time. And apparently, the uh, the creators have like a, like a three or four year plan, so that there's already an end built in. So it's not like every year they're going to be trying to figure out things to do. Mm. Good. What? Reason why I like that show, and I know you don't watch it, Joe, but I always like movies with like kids that have to like band together and accomplish something. It's the Goonies, like the, the Goonies, like the Sandlot. I mean, I just saw the movie 
it and the things I liked about that movie. There's like a bunch of kids coming together to try to kill a killer clown. The, yeah. the kids working together. I don't know. I always Which find is those like movies. the nightmare of like every kid killer clowns. I mean, right, right, right. And one of the kids from Stranger Things was in it. I, I think that's know. why I like Power Rangers so much, actually. But they were like 30 years old pretending to be kids. I mean, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 I like the idea, like exactly like you're saying, uh, like a group of like, young adults, kids banding together to fight the, the greater evil of the world. It's, it's, you could almost put it on the same plane as an underdog story. Like these aren't the yeah. people that you normally expect to do great things, but greatness sometimes comes from the unexpected you know what i liked about stranger things is that it was it actually like it was so good like at at, like being a throwback to those like old 80s horror slash sci-fi movies that it actually felt like if if you didn't know any better like it could just be like a, a long lost 80s movie like that's how good i thought i thought it was and um like it wasn't just like a a tribute like it, it really felt like it could have come from that time period. Yeah, it was a perfect homage, and it, it like it was just one of those. But it wasn't like one of these things where it was like it was good because it reminded. Like, did you see that movie um, Super Eight? <laughs> did anyone see that? It, it was like a, a a movie that came out, and uh, like like maybe 2011, something like that. I don't remember exactly what when. Was it, what was it called? Super Eight. Oh yeah, I like that movie. That was that. Wasn't Spielberg? He was a producer. Okay. Yeah, J.J. Abrams directed it. I thought it, that movie was good, but not the pro- my problem with that movie was that it was like too much of an homage. It was like too much like, we really love the 80s, right, guys? Right. Whereas like Stranger Things was, was just like, they, they made this because this is what they loved growing up. It wasn't like they were necessarily like, oh, these things don't exist anymore, so let's try to recreate them. But I think, and I think, I think when they made Stranger Things, though, that they had this great story idea, and they wanted to tell this tale, and it just fit in that kind of like 80s sci-fi horror coming-of-age setting. Whereas like Super 8, I think they were like, hey, let's make a movie that tributes 80s horror sci-fi movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I like how this all ties into the Baltimore Catechism. Yeah, it's a, this is all straight from Baltimore Catechism. People are thinking that Baltimore Catechism is a lot more interesting than I thought. Yeah, yeah, it might be a show about nothing. The strange, Stranger <laughs> Things was predicted in the Baltimore Catechism, paragraph three forty-seven. Okay, I have to give that early a on. Uh-huh. Early on. <laughs> <laughs> We're professionals here. We know. Yeah, we all we know. We know. I'm a doctor too. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm actually. So what, what are you, yeah, I was gonna ask you, Joe. What are you watching? What are you looking um, for? I'm well. My guilty pleasure is uh, The Walking Dead. That's my. That's my show. That's the only show I really take time out of my day to uh, make sure I set aside time. No one can be in the basement while I'm watching. Uh, Walking Dead uh, comes out Sunday, October twenty second. What I, I love about that show is just like, you know, your post-apocalyptic zombie. Mm-hmm. Like, the actors and the writers do such a good job of showing, like, raw, how potentially raw human nature can be mm-hmm. in situations like that. How the zombies are humans that are still alive or what you fear the most. Um, 
So that's what I've been looking forward to. I don't know. Have you guys ever watched Walking Dead? No. I, 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 it's not that I'm not interested. I, I like waiting till shows are done. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to invest time in it, I want to know that it stays good. True. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I read. I just um, think the, the way the characters developed, and it's kind of like a, like a Game of Thrones kind of thing where no character is safe. <laughs> yeah. right. You got main characters getting, favorite characters getting killed off left and right. Uh, so it always keeps you on the toes. Like literally every episode, like any episode, anything can happen. You know, they won't wait to the, to the series opener or the se- or or the season finale for something big to happen. They'll just slap you with it right in the middle of the season. Like the fact that you said that people can die, that that you like. That's what I like about anthology shows like Fargo. Have you guys ever watched Fargo? I've no, heard of the movie. The, I mean, the movie's fantastic, but the show is really good too. And because each season is its own separate entity, you you don't know what's going to happen to anybody. And, and see, that's what I was kind of hoping they would do with with Stranger Things. Like, as much as I enjoyed that cast and that group of people, um, and part of me has a desire to see them again and what happens next. Like, I think part of me would have been okay if it ended right there and Stranger Things Part 2 was, like, a completely different cast, completely different story. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. That seems to be the new trend of things. Like American Horror Story. Yeah, I don't watch that show, but yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I really love about um, the horror sci-fi genre um, is the possibilities it presents. And it doesn't always come to fruition. It doesn't always play out that way. Sometimes it just stays dark and twisted. But one... It presents a lot of cool moral questions and moral um, dilemmas to kind of think about and and kind of think about from a Catholic perspective. You know, just like for instance, like if there really were zombies, like what would what would a good Catholic uh, do in that situation? How would we treat them? And, but then the other thing that I really like about um, that genre is that again, doesn't always happen this way. But when when you're presented with something very very evil, supernatural even. Um, that's kind of messed up it also offers the opportunity for something really someone really heroic to step up for uh, redemptive value and again it doesn't always happen um, in movies sometimes they just kind of stay dark and twisted and demented but um, there's there's some some out there where like some of the best heroes are in that genre and come from that that kind of darker genre because they're faced with the darkness and they overcome it and I think like one of the things that I like about these kind of things are there there's there's still evil. Like if you right. watch Stranger Things, that the monster, right, is mm-hmm. evil. There's no yeah. like, well, he had like, you know, an abusive dad growing up and you know, he had this and this, so he's not really evil. And it's like, okay, that I mean like, yeah, people have problems and people do bad things because of their background and their history and stuff like that. Like, I get that. But I have a problem when we have too much of that because we, uh, uh, you know, it makes things, like, relativized. It's like, well, they're not they're not that bad because they have yeah. these problems. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, if someone had a terrible childhood, you understand why they might do bad things growing up. But it doesn't then make those bad things okay. Right. No, you're right. There's been such a trend over probably like the last like 15 years to really like 
blur the the lines of good and evil and and like there's there's like so many like writers and producers go into a, a story or a movie or whatever thinking that like not every like there's there's no such thing as a purely good character or purely evil character but as catholics we do believe that a we were made to be pure purely good even if we are warped and tainted but there's for sure just flat out evil in the world and there there exists an evil force and so you know the 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 horror genre lends itself to that i think yeah and that's one of the things like that's what i loved about like, like to stay with something like um stranger things like the kids band together to do something good mm-hmm. and like there's a there's a general moral good and and like seeing them come together and the, the topics of friendship and stuff like that are 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 put in there as well and that that's one of the things like um I, well, I won't talk about I was gonna talk about breaking bad but I don't want to talk about it because if I say what I want to say it'll spoil some things but mm. um yeah it's just it's interesting because you want you want to have I, I I like having a good and a bad guy like look at something like the dark Knight like the Joker was just bad he was bad right. mm-hmm. yeah no I agree and Batman has his issues. Batman isn't perfect, but Batman has a moral code that he stands by. Yeah, I, I hate when I hate when they, um, which they've done before in the in the comics, is try to like explain away like Joker's past history and like why he is who he is. And I think they might even be making the movie about it. But um, yeah. I I I I much rather prefer a Joker who's just an evil dude who just does sick things and just because. Yeah, and as as like a. As a as a fan or just a plain viewer, that's like my issue with uh like you were talking about and all like in the past fifteen years, like the rise of the anti-hero, mm-hmm. you know, like I think of Frank Castle as the Punisher, you know, right. uh, his whole backstory uh, was tragic and you could, like Sean was saying, you could Father Sean was saying you could understand why he's doing these things, but it doesn't make it doesn't make it right, right, <laughs> right. you know. So it's like you as a viewer like. As a, as a as a Catholic group, like oh, this is a great show. It has a whole bunch of action and stuff. But like, do I agree with the main character? Do I not agree with the main character? You know, it's whose side am I on? Right, right. right. And you root for someone like in Breaking Bad. Like you root for Walter White, even though he's he's basically evil, and he does evil things. And you're like, like there was one point where I was watching the show where I said like. I can't root for him anymore. And there was like yeah. one point where I was like, is it okay as a Catholic to be watching this? Because it's like, I'm rooting for someone who's doing, I mean, he's doing bad things to bad people for some of it, but not always. And, and like the anti-hero, there, there's something interesting about that. You like, it's good to have characters that are flawed. It's good that I think the anti-hero is, is interesting, but when it's glorified, it's not. Then it then it be like so like something like the Punisher, right? What make the Punisher so great in Daredevil season two is that Daredevil saying you don't have the right to decide who lives and dies. That belongs mm-hmm. to a higher authority. And he was he was preaching Catholic moral teaching, which is one of the things I love about that show. Absolutely. And that's why I think of all the Marvel uh, characters on Netflix, Daredevil those have been the best ones because it's dealing with the most like heavy material. Like the first season, he's like questioning whether or not he's doing enough. 
Like, does he have to take the next step? Does he have to kill? And as a as a viewer, I feel like with the with the Marvel Netflix series, like Jessica Jones and Daredevil and the Punisher, like those characters, it makes it so relatable because you don't have that uh, oversaturation of superpower of supernatural. You know, it almost mm. makes it relatable, like like Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen. Like we could we could just take a thirty minute railroad and end up in Hell's Kitchen, right? And you got to think about. Oh, we we kind of could face, we could see this, what's on the show, right? Right. You know? so you you could decide for yourself. Like you see this, you could potentially see this on a day to day basis. Like, am I doing enough? Can I do more? Or, uh, like, how how does my moral code play into this as a as a Catholic? You know, right. And that's one of the things I loved about the show, The Wire. Although The Wire was somewhat amoral. In the sense that it, it it didn't really take a moral stand on on things, it kind of just presented it as it is, and there were people within it that had moral stands and moral questions that were proposed. But the show as a whole, I would say, kind of didn't take a moral stand. Left it up to the the viewer. I don't know so much about like it. It, it was very even though it wasn't a documentary, and people sometimes pretend like it is. Um, th- there was something very documentary about it like this is the situation right so like in one season the guy who runs for mayor becomes the mayor and all the things he promised he realized how hard it is it's like if you want to increase the budget for the school system to help education you're going to have to cut the budget for the police and then those are the guys that helped you get elected and then it's like well if you want to run for governor and you do these things then you know no one's going to vote for you. So you can't do that even though it might help. So it's like those kind of things. It's like it's it's amoral in the sense that it's like, well, it's showing that how it, everything you do has a reaction or, you know, like what's it, Newton, right? Every action right. has an equal or opposite reaction. So there's no, like, one way of doing things. Um, we could be Easy Monday morning. Tyson Tyson DeGrasse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I teach Spanish. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, well, I I think we could. I think that's the perfect time to take a break. Tyson DeGrasse agrees. Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. We're going to um, come back to a, a segment that had been dormant for a little bit uh, called Where's the Homily? Where's the Homily? Senor Moncada, uh, do you have a story for us, for our listeners, and I'll see if I can pull a homily out of it? Trying to think, uh, I, I guess I could talk about a potential near-death experience I had. Okay, so I was uh, doing the Lord's work as a missionary in Bangkok, Belize, my freshman year of college, and uh, they had me um, working in the in the middle school majority, in high school the majority of the time. Uh, because they don't really trust me with power tools and stuff. 
So the one time I, I went to the <laughs> to the work site to help uh, build all these houses and such, uh, the lead crew guy um, offered me some apple juice in the morning. Uh, to which I said, no, thank you. And then I just walked away. As I was walking away, he explained to everyone else, oh, it's okay, it's gasoline anyway. It was like in one of those apple juice containers. So I like a couple minutes go by and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll take him up on that apple juice. I'm kind of thirsty. No. I, I open the plastic container and I didn't, it, I was like on the floor still, so I couldn't, the smell didn't hit me yet. And then I just opened my mouth and just started chugging. No. <laughs> and as soon as, it, as soon as I, it hit my mouth, I was like, oh, it's not apple juice, it's not apple juice. <laughs> so I'm freaking out. I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I, do I drink it? Do I spit it out? Like, what do I do? I just spit it out and I turn around and I see like the, like the locals from Belize, they're just staring at me like this American's crazy. He just chucked some gasoline. <laughs> and what makes it a near-death experience because what what was the fact that apparently the the, the good, good hospital. hospital was over an hour away. And I had to imagine that uh my stomach would have needed to be pumped if I actually ingested that <laughs> stuff. Uh so that was a my near-death experience on, uh, on a mission trip. <laughs> so my favorite part about I was actually there for that that story, and I didn't like. He said it was gasoline. He never told me it was gasoline. He just said it was like this really gross-looking apple juice thing. If it were apple juice, it had gone through the ringer. <laughs> and then like, but I just want to add that Joe was cutting rebar with power tools, and I just remember thinking, I hope he does not cut his hand off. <laughs> So I feel like this story is a little bit cheating because I was there when it happened, but I don't I've never put this in a homily before. I could promise you all that. But when I think about the idea of, of drink, drinking gasoline, right? I think that we can look at things in the sense that things aren't always the way that they seem to be. Mm. And we can say that like, you know, one thing may look a certain way and it may even seem like it's something else, but and the, at the end of the day, it may not be that way. And we can have troubles in life. We can have difficulties in life. And and we can think that somehow maybe God has forgotten about us or, or God has abandoned us in some way, but that it, things may not be what they seem. And there are other times in our life where we can think something would be a good. And that, well, this seems good and I feel like this should be good. But then, you know, we can look at it and think, well, maybe maybe this isn't good. Maybe this isn't something that I should be doing, even though good things seem to come from it. Maybe this isn't what God wants me to do. And then finally, I think the, the last part of like something like drinking gasoline would be like, you know, when we look at the Eucharist, right? The Eucharist looks like bread. It tastes like bread, looks like wine. It smells like wine, tastes like wine, but it's no longer wine because the substance changes. So gasoline might look like apple juice, but we know that it's certainly not apple juice. It's like the anti-Eucharist. <laughs> <laughs> you will oh, most definitely not live if you drink gasoline. <laughs> no. Basically. You never cease to amaze me at how good of a priest you are. Oh, thank you, Joe. <laughs>
Can, I, can I take the homily a different direction? Go ahead. Go ahead. But hold on. I want to let Joe finish complimenting me. <laughs> <laughs> I just By all means, there's so much more you can say. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan, where were you, where were you going to take it? So I'm thinking the guy the guy tempted you like it was a guy like saying that that this is this is apple juice would you like some if he hadn't have done that you would have never tried it right no but he didn't it wasn't really like a temptation though he just said oh if anyone wants any apple juice there's some right there yeah and, and so were you the only one that didn't get it yeah, I, I walked away to do whatever, so I didn't hear him say it was apple juice. Okay, but everybody else was still thinking it was apple juice if he didn't. I still thought it was apple juice. Yeah, I just thought, it, but it was in a disgusting container that looked like people had been drinking from it, which was uh, the reason why I wouldn't have tried it. Well, I, you know, maybe it's a stretch, but I was just gonna say, you know, like we we take lightly sometimes some of the things um, that we can do and our influence on people and how we can affect people. Um, but maybe that's like a little like sign, a little indication that um, we need to be a little bit more careful and looking out for people. And maybe our jokes, our sarcasm can go too far and lead people astray, lead people to drink the gasoline instead of the uh, the apple juice. It's funny that you should mention that because it reminds me of an experience that we had in World Youth Day. Um, and I know the person that we're talking about is not a listener and probably could never be a listener. But uh, there was a comment, like, we all like to tease each other. Mm -hmm. I find, like, that's one way that you, like, when you're very close to someone, you can tease the person. And this person was saying in, in their spiritual life that they've come to realize that, like, they can't do that anymore. Mm. And I was, like, really thinking about that in the sense that it's like, if I can't tease somebody, what's the point? What's the point of being their friend? Yeah, like, why should I be their friend if I can't tease you? If you you got to be able to withstand the roast a little bit. Yeah, and I think something like sarcasm keeps a person humble. But at the same time, like, so if I, if I, um, like, for instance, on this specific podcast, we always joke about um, with Nolan how, like, we miss Kyle, and if we could get Kyle back, we drop Nolan. In a second, we always mm -hmm. we always joke about that. And there was like always. one point where I was like, "You see, we brought it up again, um, <laughs> <laughs> but in a nicer way this time." Um, Kyle like talks always... about it on his show too. <laughs> 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 so, like, I always every time we do that, I always feel like, does no one really think that we don't want him on the show? I, I know that you, I know that you know that we want you on the show. So, <laughs> Go on. so um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, something that I was thinking well, about. I, but... I think there's also like varying degrees of sarcasm too. Like I completely get what this person who said that to us was saying, and and what that this person meant. And it's not like it's not like untrue. Like there's there's a lot of truth to it. That being said, like there there's different degrees, and there's. There's there's harmful sarcasm and harmless sarcasm, and I know for sure that I've crossed that line before. And there is there's times that I was sarcastic that I really wish I wasn't. Um, but to just I don't think I don't think you could throw the the baby out with the bathwater too though. Right, I and I think not only is like the idea of harmless sarcasm, but then there's there's sarcasm in the sense that it's like 
Well, if I say something like that, you know that not a single part of me means that. But if I make a comment about like you know something that's a little bit has to do with truth, then that those are the ones that kind of hurt a little bit more. But right. sometimes sarcasm, I feel like you could use it to soften the blow too. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of like how I was referring totally. to, I mentioned, I, I guess in the beginning of the show, um, I feel like especially as well, we're all basically public figures. You yes. As a priest. Yeah. Uh, myself and Nolan working in high schools, there's such a fine line with not only, not, there's a fine line with everything that we do, but especially with the sarcasm, because when you're working with uh, teenagers who are like, still trying to find themselves, some of them, uh, you know, you might be sarcastic and you might actually strike a chord of something that they're dealing with at home. Right. So that's something you always got to take into consideration. Like when I coach, like uh, when I'm when I'm coaching my girls' track team, like I could say something I don't know if one of them broke up with their boyfriend that day or right. uh, had a, got into a fight with their best friend. Like I, these are things that I wouldn't normally take into consideration, but you have to. And I'm assuming you have to do the same as a priest, you know, with yeah. the parishioners and the the youth group and whatnot and youth ministry. But I, I think one thing we can all agree on. Three of the funniest words when put together are thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, you, but yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's a fine line because, like, like I said earlier in the episode today, I, I said something to, to somebody and I was like, you know, I, I was sarcastic back because I was just like, you, you almost want to let the kid know that you know what's going on and now it's time to pay attention right and then like if you look like you hurt the kids feelings then maybe you should say something but i don't know it's tough it's tough to because your, your intention isn't to hurt the feelings your intention is to to get back attention yeah and i think you probably said this in in other words before but like you the way that you're sarcastic with with myself and and joe is not the same way you'd be sarcastic with somebody you didn't know no no and no. even if you were tempted to be <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah that's right that's right um yeah it's an interesting thing it's an interesting like i, I feel like every time you kind of delve deeper in the spiritual life you kind of see like where you have to improve so like Right, because that was one of the things when the, when the person that we were talking about made the comment, and and I wasn't trying to be rude when I said this. I I, I was saying like, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Like right. I have other things in my life that I need to work on that need to be fixed and perfected before I could get to the point where I eliminate sarcasm. Right. Would I be like? I also love reverse psych sarcasm. What, what is that? What's that? Like? Like when someone's sarcastic and you take them literally on purpose. Oh, I do that all the time. Uh, yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite things. That, it's, I love it's cathartic. <laughs> especially like online. Like especially like with like social media and stuff. Like oh, I'll never I try to stay away from that. <laughs> never, yeah, well, one of my one of my least favorite sports person talk personalities said something, something about, about, about Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony like, like when he, he that year that he like people were saying he should sit out the all-star game because he was like injured 
and he like played the all-star game even though he had missed like a whole bunch of Knicks games and uh someone like made a comment about um you know uh comparing it to like a college all uh, uh playing a college uh all-star game or something like that or the importance of a college all-star game and my response was like was like there is no all-star game in college like <laughs> and it was just it was it was so funny because some people were like were like all over it like come on he knows that and like other people were like wow people don't get sarcasm and it's like dude i get the sarcasm but yeah. I'm dishing it back. to would it be a reach for me to say that when jesus was talking to uh like the pharisees and the elders when he was explaining like all these parables that there was probably in his tone like heavy use of sarcasm because he was talking about them and they're not catching on would that be a bit of a reach i don't know if it's a reach but i don't know if there's enough evidence to like it's hard to tell what the tone of his voice was naturally yeah through through text and it's i mean i i don't i'd have a hard time saying that jesus was sarcastic because he seemed to got get right to the point like yeah he, he, he like sarcasm would kind of be like when the hypocrites i mean that, that, i mean that's exactly the point i was going to make he's like you hypocrites you fools and even even his parables are like they're, they're to us there's something like we got to kind of like pick apart and, and see but like they would have hit like the, the the listeners at the time right over the head with the truth like they would have made much more sense right immediately yeah where we have to kind of pick it apart the the funny thing too is though like when when you see uh, Jesus character characterized in like like cartoons or like you know any kind of depiction that's not very you know religious or not very you know not going for that faith based point he's usually like super sarcastic yeah yeah but I mean I feel like, like the, the Family Guy Jesus is like totally like sarcastic yeah I I don't I don't think that was what Jesus was like but um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, that, that's what I was that's what I was kind of saying yeah. I think. That, kind of proof that that's not what jesus was and but i i think that definitely he i mean he wasn't like and i have to be careful how i say this but he 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 wasn't nice in the sense that like niceness oftentimes can mask like how we really feel right Mm -hmm. like i was with a friend um that i that i i like a lot but Sometimes she like she doesn't know how to keep the balance between like I don't like this person so I'm going to be super nice to them kind of thing. This is like a few years ago. We went somewhere and and she was like, "Oh, hey, how's it going? It's so good to see you." Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, when she was done, I was like, "You don't like that person." She's like, "Well, I just I was trying to be nice." I said, "There's a difference. Like being nice is going over and saying, "Hey, how's it going? Good to see you." Not like pretending like you're best friends with this person that everyone knows you don't like. No, Jesus is real. Jesus is yeah. nice. Yeah, and then like so Jesus in that sense, truth. he kept it one hundred. He did. He did. He told it like it is. He stays woke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking of the the wedding at Cana when, <laughs> when just. I, I had to retract what I said, how he, he literally got straight to the point and just like didn't beat around the bush. And I think of the wedding at Cana where Mary was like, they ran out of wine and she goes, essentially along the lines, what does this have to do with me, woman? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like I just feel like if I was like to shadow Jesus. Now I think Jesus was rhetorical though, and that's what might be what that was, right? Like Jesus was probably not sarcastic, but he probably was rhetorical. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's trying to emphasize his point. And like it was like more. Maybe his tone was more like, "What does this have to do with me, woman?" (laughs) (laughs) And Mary was like, "You know, you know." You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh boy. Well, I think uh, we've basically said all we're going to be able to say right now. Yeah, we gave enough horrible catechesis, so. <laughs> so this is what the Baltimore catechism is really. No, about. the Baltimore catechism is much more efficient than. What I was going to say it'd be much better off reading the Baltimore catechism. <laughs> I still, I still, I, I kind of every once in a while I get kind of sad when someone says they learned something from our podcast. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> feel like uh, there's got to be somewhere else that you could have learned this better. Yeah, like Bishop Barron has a podcast. Uh, Matt Frad yeah. has a podcast. Yeah, like, yeah. You, I'll give you a list of podcasts you should be listening to, other than ours. Like ours should be the one you listen to, and like you just like you you binged a whole bunch of podcasts, and there's nothing else to listen. Yeah, to. so you're just kind of waiting for the next one to come out. Yeah, like you get through half of our episode, and then all of a sudden Bishop Barron's podcast new episode becomes available. <laughs> you don't have to listen to the rest of ours. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to say something that I've been thinking a lot, a lot about about recently. So I kind of want to ask Joe this question, and this will kind of be like the the last question um, that that I'm going to ask. I think that when we we work in a school, you you have different people that are in, in, in different uh, stages in in their faith life, right? And not everyone necessarily agrees with the the church's teaching on on a lot of like hot button issues. So like, whatever it may be, someone comes up to you and it's like, Mister Moncada, I really want to talk to you because I know the church says this, but I feel like this. What do you what do you say to that person? <sighs> You know, I'm, when you bringing up that point, it's uh, it's tough because. Amen. Oh my gosh, I was waiting so long to ask that. I guess I should have asked it earlier before we were ready quicker. to wrap up. Or quicker. You took a little long to. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a lot of words. I should have just kind of get right to the point. It's, like, it's Jesus almost God. like you hadn't thought of it before you started asking it. <laughs> You know, you know. Oh my God! If only everyone knew the difficulty we had recording this episode. Oh. Uh, I wish I, I feel like I could have done such a better job. <laughs> it was good. No, Joe. Thanks for being our first ever recurring guest. Yeah. Well, technically, Father Steve Reese is a recurring guest. That was the pre-Nolan era, though. Oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> Ah, see, I could dish it out too. <laughs> I don't feel like that insults me as much as it insults Kyle, but I don't know if he listens to us anymore. And that's funny because Kyle was my favorite part of the original podcast. Yeah, I feel like you were a, you were more of a Kyle fan than you were one of our fans. You didn't I really was. know us that well yet. I was a Popple guy. Yeah, 
you I feel like we got became friends because you listened to the podcast. Yeah, like Kyle gave you guys credence. Like I was like, yeah, there was some I weight. Could listen to my friends Sean and, and Justin, or but then like when when Kyle was involved, I was like, oh now I, now it's a real deal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I joined and drew, drank it right back down again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, God bless everyone who who uh, listens. And do uh, you have anything to say, Joe? Uh, all I have to say is just trust the process. <laughs> Nolan follow once we get our, our website up and running and we have like a whole network of podcasts and, and blog posts that's when you're going to have to subscribe to follow Joe Monblaga <laughs> <laughs> oh rate us or Joe, or Joe Blogcata I haven't decided which one <laughs> that's a call back to the first episode you were on very impressive you're welcome well Give us a, a rating on iTunes if you don't mind either. Five. Five stars. If you don't like us, don't rate us. We just want five stars. Yeah, five stars are don't even it's not worth your time. Yeah. You've I'll got dan- better things to do. I'll dance for you if you have five if you give five stars. Give you a little hip hop routine. I'm your private dancer. <laughs> dancer that, for that five stars. If as a Patreon, as a Patreon, you'll receive dance instruction videos from Joe Moncada. Joe Blancada. Joe Blancada. <laughs> oh my gosh! Dominate your. What did you? What do you say? Dominate your biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Every that time goes it. over huge in England, by the way. Huge. <laughs> I said to this. I, this one girl said to me today. I took Latin class. I said, "Dominus vobiscum," and she looks at me. She goes. I don't know what that means. And I was like, it means the Lord be with you. Have a good day. And I just left. I'm not comfortable with that kind of language. Uh, yeah. Woman, what does this have to do with me? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Let's end this. On that note. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.